I once had a summer job mowing lawns, working with a friend and his father who were aficionados of classic cars. As we drove from job to job, they were always alert for old cars with for sale signs in the windows. The vehicle didn't need to be in mint condition. They could see the potential in something that had been under a tarp in a barn for 20 years. It would take a lot of restoration work to replace all the old corroded parts, grind out the rust, reupholster the interior, and give it a fresh paint job, but that did not dissuade them from thinking about buying it. The goal was not a museum piece to be kept in a garage, but a beautiful ride to be taken out on the road and delighted in. Today we celebrate Pentecost and the sending of the Holy Spirit, concluding the Easter season. The essential unity of the resurrection and Pentecost is not always obvious. Pentecost is not merely the conclusion of Easter, it is the fulfillment of Easter, the final denouement in the great drama of redemption. It is true that the passion and resurrection of Jesus Christ was the defeat of sin and the death of death. But as with my friends in their old cars, the purchase is not the end of the story, but the beginning. Jesus is our Redeemer who has bought us out of bondage to sin. To the Holy Spirit, the Sanctifier, is entrusted the work of our restoration to the image in which we were created. It is possible that we will fail to recognize his action, and so I ask, what is the point of being freed from sin? Surely all freedom is, is desired not for itself, but for how it may be used. Here on Pentecost, we discover the goal of our liberation from sin. To explore this, let us take another look at Adam and Eve's fall from grace. We all know the story. The serpent tempts Eve, who disobeys God's command and eats the apple, giving some to Adam as well. When they hear God walking in the garden, they try to hide. Adam, instead of owning his actions, blames Eve and accuses God as well. It was this woman you gave to be with me, he cries. At this moment, there is a total and complete rupture of communion. But man, created by God in his own Trinitarian image and likeness, is meant for communion. God himself said, It is not good for man to be alone, and created Eve to be Adam's helpmate. Adam, having betrayed Eve and disobeyed his creator, now stands utterly alone. His condition is well described by St. Paul in today's second reading when he speaks of rivalry, jealousy, fury, selfishness, dissension, and factions. It is man at odds with everyone, looking out only for himself. What might have happened if Adam had taken responsibility for both himself and his wife Eve instead of engaging in finger-pointing and recrimination? What if he had forgiven her? These are not idle questions because there is a second Adam, our Lord Jesus Christ. For the sake of his bride, the Church, Jesus took responsibility for our grievous misdeeds so that the Church might be spotless and without blemish. On the cross, he intercedes for us all. Father, forgive them. The rupture and isolation of Adam is overcome. We are set free from sin so that we may live in communion with God and men. But this communion is not easy. Properly speaking, it is supernatural, as it reaches to God himself. It is for this reason that the Holy Spirit is poured out to sanctify and guide us. 
Let us consider one of the five manifestations of the Holy Spirit listed in the Apostles' Creed, that of forgiveness of sins. While the most important expressions of this are found in the sacraments of baptism and penance, it is no less the case that each of us is called to forgive. Make no mistake, forgiving is a death. Our pride, our self-will, and our desire to be right must all die. All contention and rivalry must be put to death. We crucify the passionate cycle of recrimination and blame that began with Adam so that we may follow the quiet prompting of the Holy Spirit. In doing so, we are raised to the glorious freedom of the sons of God, the freedom to know and love God, ourselves, each other, and even our enemies. Forgiveness is one of the Holy Spirit's tools for sanctifying us. Even within the Church there is need of forgiveness, whether for the small daily offenses we offer each other or for grave matters. But the Church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints, and it is in bearing the faults of others that our own faults are worn away. We are called to perfect sanctity, but not faultless perfection. We are called to the perfection of our Heavenly Father, who never ceases to forgive, the perfection into which His Holy Spirit will guide us. Let us plead the Lord to stir up to ardent flame His gift of the Holy Spirit, that we may live by the Spirit and walk as the Spirit leads.